The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. I'm Marty Gold. This is Season 3, Episode 21. Uh, short break that I've had from uh, issuing podcasts. I'll be mentioning later uh, in this uh, edition a, uh, an Action Line special report a, that was no podcast, no talking, all typing uh, column uh, that uh, was published last week uh, and then a few days away from podcasting for, among other reasons, uh, unavoidably had to spend a day out of town on some family business. Um, but I'll be telling you about that Action Line article as it relates to uh, issues in the city of Winnipeg, things that flowed from the a press conference last week held by the police and the statement by Mayor Gillingham. Uh, and I'll review that in the second half of this program. First half, I'm going to stick to provincial politics. Then I'm going to revisit these matters uh, with regards to the effects of um, on the local community, uh, as well as nationally and internationally, uh, about the uh, attempt by the State of Israel to eradicate Hamas, the terror organization, once and for all after I mean, it's a it's a, a haunted house of horrors that they unleashed on not just Israelis, not just Jewish people, but on anybody who encountered them on October the 7th. That'll be the second half of the program. I know that the meat and potatoes of this for the majority of the audience is covering civic affairs, provincial affairs, uh, and I want to do that very briefly in this front end of this episode. And I promise you that uh, be back as November proceeds, a little more of a of a regular schedule with the regularly scheduled topics. Uh, but I know that many of you out there, as I've indicated before, you understand there's been some special circumstances. I'm spending still five hours a day keeping track of the various things that are going on uh, in our country, internationally, and right here in our home city, especially as it relates to the the emergence, like a bunch like a bunch of ghouls uh, rising from. Uh, uh, from the mists and from the fog, uh, anti-Semites, Jew haters everywhere, not just Jew haters, people who hate Western civilization, people who hate the Enlightenment, people who hate our way of life, uh, and uh, in many cases have been funded by the Trudeau government and other governments uh, to be able to espouse those views. <clears throat> uh, however, now we are in the era of Wabkanu, provincially, and uh, a few Minor stumbles out of the gate, uh, not quite getting that MPI contract settlement with the union, not quite getting that right uh, out of the gate, uh, but that was quickly rectified and MPI back to work on Friday with the over 13% raise, I think is how it works out mathematically. Um, The mandate letters going out to the various ministers, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on those, but there's one in particular that I want to uh, want to make mention of. no, not not the issue of uh, of carbon tax, uh, home heating, carbon tax cutouts, which of course Wabkanu is showing absolutely zero testicular fortitude uh, when he should be fighting to make sure that Manitobans uh, have money in their pockets. I guess he figures the fourteen cent a liter, the planned fourteen cent a liter uh, tax break, provincial tax break on gas starting January first will be good enough. But one matter out of the arising out of the mandate letters that has certainly attracted a lot of uh, attention and a lot of chatter online uh, was this. Bernadette Smith, the Minister of Housing, Addictions and Homelessness, is tasked with expanding housing and addiction programs as well as establishing a supervised drug consumption site in downtown Winnipeg. Former City Councilor Sean Nason, previous representative of Transcona, took note of this on his Twitter account, saying, in case you are lacking in reasons to not go to downtown Winnipeg, here's another one. In other words, the planned presence of a supervised drug consumption site in an undisclosed, as yet undisclosed exact location, downtown has a broad meanings. Now, we've just seen everybody, from Mark Chipman, the owner of the Jets, to the mayor, all talk about downtown safety, and here's... Uh, an, an idea that some people think is going to make downtown safer because it will be able to control 
where people are getting high and whether they're going to get completely zonked out or not, or potentially die of an overdose, although it's not necessarily an overdose, it's often drug toxicity. Those are actually two different issues. And those who think that this is not a smart idea whatsoever. Um, for instance, there are those who are in favor of this. And they came at Sean Nason in waves. Saying, well, what we have now, as one person put it, uh, the unsupervised open-air consumption sites now. Never mind actually keeping people alive. Give your head a shake. This was counteracted by other individuals saying, well, there needs to be a vote on having a safe consumption site in Winnipeg, saying they were just in Vancouver down uh, Hastings Street and was sickened by it. Oh, let me <clears throat> sidebar for a moment. In late 1999, almost this exact time, as a matter of fact, uh, and it was actually this exact time in 1999, I was completing my duties shooting a sports documentary uh, about our friend's wrestling promotion that traveled through the Pacific Northwest region. And that was my first exposure in that era. And I then moved to Vancouver, uh, like two months later, I had moved uh, to the GVRD. But that was my first exposure to going for walks with my friends, with some of the wrestlers, down Hastings Street, and seeing something that I had absolutely never seen in Winnipeg before. Absolute Zombieville, blocks and blocks and blocks, and Oppenheimer Park. And the area around Gastown. And the area around the Camby, the venerated Camby. And so in that, right out of, the, out of the gate, I saw this was a very different beast in terms of drug addiction and dereliction and hopelessness on the downtown east side. And this was before, uh, this was in the midst probably of, of uh, Robert Picton's uh, wave of terror, uh, a wave of murder, um, but before he had been apprehended. I never imagined I'd see similar scenes in Winnipeg, and really we haven't quite yet. We see snippets of it uh, around the Main Street Strip, down Higgins, uh, and in some in some areas, but nothing like what I saw in, Hast in Hastings. But it is, it is more and more in Winnipeg like what I saw in Vancouver in terms of panhandling, um, people standing in the stupidest, most dangerous places, uh, interrupting traffic and, and uh, forming obstacles. This is part of the, the social disorder that I saw in Vancouver, Burnaby, uh, 20, my God, it's like 20, almost 25 years ago. Wow, time flies when you're seeing these kinds of things unfold before your eyes. Uh, another comment pointing out uh, a study uh, that's rather, the link is rather extensive, but it comes from Stanford University into addi opioid addiction in Alberta and British Columbia. Uh, one individual reviewing it saying the vast majority of the statistics point towards safe injection as a grower of drug addiction and crime, not a preventative solution. Um, other people making the point this isn't potentially going to help Jets attendance and one individual going back at Sean Nason for his comment that this is not going to help downtown going, oh, holy shit, racist much? Racist. What's racist about being opposed to a safe consumption site? Well, of course, anytime anybody opposes anything that you want in Winnipeg now, you must be a racist if you aren't for it. And this was another example. Well, into the fray, weighted, I'm not sure if there's a, a another term for that. Waded? Wade? Wed? Scott Billick, Winnipeg sports writer of some some note. And Scott Billick is, uh, you know, he covers sports, covers the Jets, but he's not too shy about being an unabashed leftist. Now, I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean, he, he says exactly where he stands. Uh, but he frequently will venture out from the realm of sports and express these opinions and this point of view, these points of view, um, really without hesitation. 
brave kind of guy. And in the old days, <clears throat> if I can use that term, the old days, sports writers didn't venture too deep into the realm of politics outside of perhaps, you know, the uh, sports competitions against Iron Curtain countries, you know, you know the, the Canada-Russia series and things like that didn't really come up too often. Well, Scott Billick, sports reporter uh, with the Winnipeg Sun, was critical of, counsel, of former Councillor Nason's posting of this suggestion that Bernadette Smith being tasked with uh, finding a location for a safe injection site downtown, that this was going to be injurious to the health of, of downtown or injurious to the health of the community. As Billick put it, heaven forbid, we as a city, he said, would offer a service to help reduce harm and save lives of people caught in the web of addiction. What are we doing here? And he also made an offhanded remark that came back to bite him in his, uh, in his sports writer ass. It's pretty clear from the mentions that people who are against safe consumption sites have no, con- no clue what they have against them. Well, as he heard rapidly from people with pretty sound reasoning, and not anonymous trolls, uh, individuals who are frequently involved in discussions about public matters and public affairs, he got an earful and a half, did Scott Billick, for suggesting that Sean Nason was in some sort of minority view. When a city implements safe consumption sites, Billick was told, is basically saying we give up. You just have to look at Vancouver to see the impact safe consumption sites have on a city. Now, Billick saying, well, these sites provide needles to help prevent HIV. They monitor for overdoses. He agreed that the, the, this has to, in some manner, though he didn't really define it too closely, uh, be twinned with uh, more funding for treatment. Lo and behold, those arguments also got, got knocked down. In uh, posters online indicating the HIV rates went through the roof in Saskatchewan after the free needle program was implemented. Because dealers pick up these free needles, load them up with single-shot doses, and they're off in business. Another individual noting that needle programs start out as needle exchange programs and they drop the exchange part under the false stigma claim and they stop being preventative. That is absolutely correct. And those of some of you listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast may not be aware that in 2019, I did an extensive deep dive into this issue in Winnipeg when the scourge of dirty used rigs was all over our streets and boulevards. I was the only reporter to dig into it, the only one to ask hard questions, and I guess the only one to get the runaround uh, from the WHA and others, but it was very very apparent that whereas traditionally needle return programs had an expected return rate, in other words, you're handing out needles to people that use them, and you expect to get a certain percentage back, and it used to be 88%, and then all of a sudden they stopped reporting it because it's stopping an expectation. And that's how you ended up when the WHA was giving away a million needles a year with all these needles on the streets. And they said, hell, we're going to give away another million in the next couple of years, over, uh, increase that volume. And they have continued to do it. <clears throat> Whereas some of the discussion was sort of pointed, but not as personal. Some of it did get a little bit personal. Spare us your nonsense, Scott, indicated one individual. Here's the reason why they don't work. They're a place for drug addicts to get high instead of stop getting high. The rhetoric around them is liberal nonsense. Having said that, when you're on Trudeau's private jet, please say what's up for him. I don't know what that referred to. Um, another person, Tim, saying, will there be people to enforce or monitor these sites? And yeah, we pay for it again. Here's the point that Tim was making. Hard workers paying for everything and supposed to just smile, right, Scott? Maybe if your government didn't piss on these people to begin with, we wouldn't be in the crap situation they're in. In particular, Scott Billick, the sports writer, got into it with one individual who said, this is hailed as a silver bullet. And if the objective is saving lives, they fail. That's why I'm against it. There was 400 overdose deaths across British Columbia in 1998. That's the year before I got there. I was there between there and Los Angeles commuting for work for about a three-year period. So I saw lots. This individual pointing out there was 400 OD deaths in BC in 1998, 1,600 in the first eight months of 2023. I concede the point that they're not all overdoses and some of them may be drug toxicity, but you get the idea. Well, this guy, 
he gave a jab to Scott Billick. Stick to sports writing, buddy. And Billick went ballistic. Starting with a four times increase over 25 years is proof that they don't work. Like I say, you just don't get it. Well, you don't get it, actually, was the retort to Scott Billick. Uh, linking to a National Post column that the analysis of population-level effects, population-level effects, that means on the ground, in your neighborhood, of overdose prevention sites and supervised consumption sites in BC, found no change to trends in monthly hospitalization or mortality rates. Now, that National Post column, I'm just going to hone in for a second, and uh, clearly the NDP is bound to determine to do it. I say Bernadette Smith should be brave enough to say, you know what, we're not going to put it downtown. We're going to put it on the block I live in, which isn't even the ward I rep, the uh, riding constituency I represent, and show some real leadership, but she won't do that. So who is she going to saddle with a location? Which neighborhood is going to have to deal with what goes on around these sites? And this would be, you know, like a five-block radius. And no one, you're going to hear more about him, uh, about uh, Tristan Hopper, uh, columnist for the National Post, uh, you're going to hear more about him, actually, in the next part of the program, unrelated topic. But Tristan Hopper, when he was, I think, in Edmonton, is where it was, and he was astonished that all of a sudden there's these signs out, uh, billboards saying um, you know, to watch out for dirty needles, and and the experience of people that were living and had businesses near these sites. He was one of the first journalists in this country to document it. Um, this article uh, referred to uh, in the National Post, it raises an interesting issue, and that is the destigmatization of drug addiction and the behavior that goes around it. We as a society claim we don't like to stigmatize or judge and say shame is bad, wrote Adam Pankrantz. But shame and stigma is how we show errant members of society they need to reform their ways and change for the better. We in BC have a drug problem to be sure. Opioid deaths are intolerably high. Anyone in Vancouver who has driven or, God forbid, walked down East Hastings, our downtown east side, can tell you the lax approach taken in recent years has only created more suffering. Now that included, he then synopsized a few events, including a homeless encampment in the Strathcona neighborhood that had uh, residents, not just residents, just people in the neighborhood being attacked. I believe that there was gun calls there newborn babies being threatened. Pankrat saying, call me old-fashioned. But I'd like to stigmatize that kind of behavior rather than pursue decriminalization. Saying that if his daughter engaged in uh, stealing, vandalism, drug use, we don't value these attributes as society, he says. So why no stigma? Were my daughter to behave in any of the above-described ways, shame would be first on the list, followed immediately by stigma and repentance. Pankratz, and this was written, I think, in February, said he could hear the Twitter-elect sharpening their blades to pounce with murderous relish upon me and my ilk to hurl such opinions in the trash. They would, as it were, seek to shame me to be more considerate, empathetic, and politically acceptable opinions and behaviors. Shame, it would seem, is actually fine. It's only the political direction of its application that makes it offensive. And that basically is uh, the story of sports writer Scott Billick and former city councillor Sean Nason in a nutshell there, trying to shame Nason and shame those who have justifiable concerns about this concept and about how the NDP is going to implement it and drop it on a neighborhood. And and again, Bernadette Smith won't have to live with the effects. Now, Annie Fontaine won't have to live with the effects. Wab Canoe will not have to live with the effects. And if you go back into the podcast, go through Action Line, you can scroll through, and you'll see the uh, previous podcast that I did earlier this year about North Point Douglas, South Point Douglas, how the homeless encampments had overrun them, the the uh, uh, drug use and the errant behaviors, the social disorder that had been literally unaddressed till it gets almost catastrophic, then there's a crackdown, they bust up homeless camp, and then it starts all over again, and you have people like Councillor Santos, Vivian Santos, like Bernadette Smith, whose focus is never on the community, never on the victims, 
Never on those who have to handle the cleanup personally. They don't. You have never seen Bernadette Smith go down anywhere to shovel up any uh, excrement that has been left on a sidewalk outside a business in her uh, constituency. Or Vivian Santos has never done that. Do you think she's ever like said, "Here, let me come with a bucket of water and we'll wash this piss off the sidewalk in front of your door"? Of course not. They would never dare do such things because that would interfere. In their goal to destigmatize individuals for whom, in some cases, shame might work. Pangs of consciousness, or pangs of conscience rather, might resonate with them. There's no agency, there's no personal responsibility ever heaped upon those who are, as they say, in the throes of drug addiction. But when people think that they can engage in their bodily functions on the street, that is not something that should be where the community should have to deal with it. And the evidence that I've seen shows that when you have safe inje- so-called safe injection sites, because there's no really such thing as a safe injection, it's government-supervised, And those neighborhoods suffer with more of that same disorder, including the vandalism, the theft, the violence, the screams at all hour of the night. None of that's going to be next door to Wapkadu, Bernadette Smith, Danny Fontaine, uh, or or any of the other members of the NDP government. It would be interesting if that was ever brought anywhere near their doors to see how they would react if it was on their doorstep. Back with more of the Great Canadian Talk Show right after this. Jamrock Security has effective and creative ways to help protect your business, your home, and your community. Jamrock gets the job done so you can rest easy. Go to jamrocksecurity.ca or call us at 204-880-1564. Do security. Do it smart. Jamrock Security. The Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast is brought to you by Midpoint Auto Vehicle Sales at Wholesale Pricing. 1.99% 1.99% financing on new cars, 6.99% financing on great used vehicles, cars, trucks, vans, SUVs, that's not all. Off-road vehicles, campers, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, even boats. If you're in the market for something with an engine, then that's the place you want to go. MidpointAutomotive.ca, the phone number 833-997-9930. Again, that's 833 833-997- 9930 Midpoint Auto bad credit approved good credit rewarded if you're a listener of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast let them know by giving them the promo code TALK the word talk that's the promo code and you're sure to get a great deal from Midpoint Automotive back with the second half of this episode of the Great Canadian Talk Show all our episodes available on actionline.ca as well there's a, a blog section and that's where I'm posting articles or will be posting articles uh, we have a few concepts in mind uh, to uh, make sure that you get the information you need in a timely manner and in a regular manner. And we're still working out a few back-end bugs as well. Of all things, uh, got a new microphone. doesn't work, which is news to my tech, who's probably hearing about it as they prepare this episode and hear me say this. And who knows what happened with the microphone. It's plugged in. And for some reason, it's not uh, not being read properly on the desktop. So back to the drawing board with that. Uh but we're working our way through the, all these all these uh, little uh, stumbles um, and through some of the technical matters. And your involvement is going to be integral. Your support is going to be all important in making sure that Winnipeg has an alternative news and public information platform. Analysis and investigations, our specialty here. We've proven it before. We're going to prove it again. This podcast was the first anybody in Winnipeg heard about a window in River Heights belonging to a Jewish family in their home. That's a rather clumsy way of saying Jewish family had a window shot out. We're the first to report it. Police confirming it last Thursday, that article. Cops investigating 10 hate crimes, many targeted pro-Israel Jews. That uh, is on actionline.ca. You'll be able to see it if you go to our front page. Uh There was that confirmation. There was a number of other incidents. And it was a rather bizarre day because the police held a press conference. First, Mayor Gillingham made a a very short speech uh, to city council. Uh, And then the police held their own press conference. And it's amazing and distressing, in fact, 
how they try to play both sides where there are not two sides to be played. The police, I'm understanding, never actually mentioned the concept of Jewish people or Israeli people in Winnipeg using those words, being under attack or threat. The mayor used terms describing Palestinians, Muslims, Jews. uh, I believe he used the term Israel as well. And told reporters we can't have protests and rallies that turn into physical confrontations. But neither Gillingham or the police admitted that it was the Jewish and Israeli communities who are the targets in the clear majority of recent incidents in Winnipeg that are being investigated. In fact, I'm now told that that number of uh, investigations is up to 14. It could be up to more. Twinning anti-Semitism and Islamophobia in their statements is a political tactic. And this downplays the relentless Jew hate of Islamists, of communists, of Marxists, and other people who hide behind the anti-Zionist label, that they're only against Israel. Now, Winnipeg Police and City Council could have gotten ahead of this problem in Winnipeg if they had done something after the near riot, the mob attack, on what was mostly Jews, pro-Israel individuals, on May 15th of 2021. And there's video out there of trucks racing past with uh, kafia-garbed individuals and uh, megaphones, the Jimmy Hart megaphone, uh, hurling various invectives at the pro-Israel crowd, daring them to fight. And eventually, they crossed police lines, came across uh, from their what was supposed to be a car rally, came across police lines, attacked the pro-Israel group. This was chanting things, this is a Nakba day celebration, if you can call it that, commemoration. They chanted for the bombing of Tel Aviv, by Hamas. That happened in Brian Bowman's Winnipeg. Brian Bowman didn't do anything. They chanted Khyber. Khyber, Khyber is a uh, Khyber is a, a legendary slaughter by Muhammad of Jews in the I don't remember what year it was, in the 6th, 7th century, 6th century. We'll rape your daughters, stab the Jews in tuxedo. Those were things heard on the streets of Winnipeg in front of the legislature. City council was silent. Brian Bowman was silent. Scott Gillingham didn't say a damn word. And nobody was ever charged with anything. And now you wonder why you have trouble now. Why you have problems now. Now the mob has grown to 1,000 or 2,000 or 3,000. And the police feel compelled. You notice that the people that are always under threat in Winnipeg and in this country, it's they're trying to protect the Jews. They're not trying to protect the people who supposedly are on the flip side of the coin facing... uh, And I have no doubt that people have received nasty messages and threats. There's all sorts of stuff going on in the background here. But this is happening because the left has glommed onto this cause and this cause uh, put forward by genocidal maniacs in the so-called pro-Palestinian camp. They have glommed onto the left. This this irrational um, merger of far-left extremism and Islamist extremism. Israel serves as the proxy for all settler colonialism, and just as only white people can be racist, only white people colonize. And so you have all these people say, we're not against Jews, just against those colonizers, which, of course, falsely saying the Jews are colonizing the country from which we all come from in the first place, our historic homeland. How is this being expressed, Winnipeg? What is happening around Winnipeg? Well, there's threats to Jewish kids. You're not going to hear that in the news anywhere. And whether it's in high schools or on university campuses, there are students, and in particular girls, being threatened, being spit on. And they don't feel safe reporting this. Think for a minute what this is like. Does that sound like Germany to you in the 1930s? Or other European countries that were too, just too happy to rat fink on, who, on their neighbors and what attic they were hiding in? This is what's going on now. Now, last Sunday, the Israeli community held a uh, rally, uh, in particular 
drawing attention to the hostages. Reading out their names with pictures, ba- empty baby carriages. It's very moving. There's a group about six. The media report said sixty. I believe it was. I believe that's fair. Sixty to seventy-five people attending. As I record this, very very early on Sunday morning, there's going to be. Uh, there was already scheduled uh, by the Jewish Federation of Winnipeg something they call a prayer and light vigil, again, for the hostages and the deceased, uh, those massacred uh, by these genocidal Islamists. That's going to be at the legislature at 7. Lo and behold, an anti-Israel protest is going to take place gathering at the legislature at 4.30. And then around 5.15 or so, they're going to march where? To the office of a Jewish member of parliament. Ben Carr, newly elected as the uh, liberal representative for Winnipeg Center, is uh, going to be getting the treatment. Sorry, my mistake. He's not Winnipeg Center, that'll be Leah Gazan. And don't get me started on her. Oh my God. Ben Carr is going to be getting the treatment. Uh, they call it ceasefire now, make no mistake. It's an anti Israel protest because a ceasefire is absurd. A ceasefire is unwarranted. And anybody who says we want a ceasefire is saying we don't want Israel to defend itself and to root out those who murdered, raped, slaughtered, and dismembered, not just Jews. There's foreign nationals who are workers. One girl, I read a story about one girl, Filipino, who was taking care of like a 90-year-old woman on a kibbutz and pulled out her plane, the money for her plane ticket home, about $350, and bribed some Hamas terrorist to, like Passover, skip over their house, not murder them, not slaughter the caregiver or the, uh, the elderly Jewish woman. If she hadn't had 350 bucks, there'd be two more bodies or two more hostages added to the totals. So, an anti-Israel protest, then going to march over to a Jewish MP's office on Thursday. On Saturday, a protest is scheduled outside the U.S. consulate for 1 p.m. That's 201 Portage Avenue. They won't be there because they aren't open on Saturdays. But that won't matter. Basically, the corner of Portage Main is going to get tied up. And then a car rally... Under the moniker All Out for Palestine, the route to be announced at the time. So who knows which direction that's going to go. This is all fun and games on November the 4th. We'll see what happens on November 18th when the Santa Claus parade rolls by and a Jets game and see just how the Winnipeg police and our civic leaders, Mayor Gellingham, handle these things. This past week, we saw 17, uh, the offices of 17 members of parliament, uh, I, I don't know conclusively that they were all members of cabinet, but a great number of them were, including Christia Freeland's office occupied and defaced, and Danny Vandell getting the treatment in St. Boniface. Occupation's good when the Marxists and the Islamists do it. Fourteen incidents seemingly being investigated of anti-Semitism, other incidents unreported because of the fear of Jewish students in our high schools and universities. Who is going to act on that? Somebody should ask Mayor Gillingham or Premier Canoe. Unbelievably rude remarks about people's wives and other such things, threats to Jewish kids. The mainstream media in Winnipeg probably is not telling you just what's gone on. on I mean, you might have heard the odd story. But there's a pattern on U.S. campuses because this has been the incubator for this kind of, of anti-Zionist Marxism that was, it really evolved from a, the KGB in 1964, the invention of the PLO and this concept of Palestinianism or Palestinians as being an Arab thing as opposed to being a Jewish thing. If you said Palestinian in 1935, people thought you were talking about a Jew. But campuses are the incubator. Queen's uh, University, their police are investigating a Halloween party 
were some uh, fine fellows dressed up as Hamas and threatened to do all sorts of things to the people in attendance. University of Toronto, a cesspool of hate. In the U.S., at Harvard, an Israeli student surrounded, yelled at, screamed at, harassed, knocked down. Who was one of the instigators? Ibrahim Barmal, editor of the Harvard Law Review. There are all sorts of people in the, in the U.S. who upon it being learned by their employers or prospective employers, the kind of activity they've undertaken, the glorification of, of paragliders who butchered teenagers and young adults at a rave. They're losing their jobs. They're losing their spots. They're being suspended. And then the cry goes out, this is Islamophobia. We can't express our views. Well, no. You support Nazi behavior. You can express it, but there are what we call consequences. I don't even know what the word for consequences is in Hebrew. I'm going to have to find out. Barmal, editor of the Harvard Law Review, yet to feel those consequences. Francis Hamed, a student at Hunter College, a fellow at Roosevelt House, a public policy-induced in Hunter, ripped down posters of Israeli civilians kidnapped by Hamas. People are filming this, they're taking pictures, and they're saying, who are these people? Tearing, imagine, tearing down a poster of not people that are wanted, people that are being sought, people that were kidnapped on video, on GoPro. And some of these individuals, and there's just a ton of these videos, out on, especially on Twitter, well, there's no proof of this, or this is propaganda. In New York, a construction crew confronted one individual who realized he was going to get a good thumping, being told, you can say whatever you want, you can wave your Palestine flag, but we have a right to put these, have these kinds of posters up too for the missing. And the so-called pro-Palestinian camp, and you notice you have not seen any marches that have called for the release of the hostages, that have called for Hamas to surrender and relinquish control over the entire population of Gaza, and at least in theory, not every single one of them is a bloodthirsty lunatic supporter or a supporter of bloodthirsty lunatics. You never see that. If you think that Canada and, and, and the States are, you know, that this is mild, let me show you where it goes. Even in places like France's banned, uh, uh, banned uh, rallies, uh, different place in Europe, ban rallies, ban certain, uh, pro-Palestinian rallies, ban certain chants from the river to the sea, recognizes a genocidal chant everywhere, it seems, but the U.S. and Canada. And you have to watch how the media covers this. I know that you're, you're hearing things that you're, you aren't, certainly the sub but Winnipeg, you hear about first here. In BB, the BBC in 2019, they translated a, uh, a, a quote that Agazin said, the revolutionary songs, they excite you, they encourage you to rip a Yehudi's head off. And the BBC translated Yehudi to Israeli. And the BBC defended this when quizzed by a uh, British parliamentarian. But that's, well, that's what it means. No. Because if they want to say Israeli, they say Israeli. Yehudi means Jew. Kaibar Kaibar al-Yehud is a threat to slaughter Jews, not Israelis. It's not a political discourse. It's not anti-Zionism. It is anti-Zionism in that anti-Zionism is in fact a cloak, a political mask for anti-Semitism. The BBC, even in their coverage, and I know people love, oh, it's like they love listening to the BBC. They love watching CBC. You want to talk about dreadful. The CBC sending a, a, a response to a complaint from the Canadian Anti-Semitism Education Foundation that was so insulting. So we give a 360-degree view on everything. And the CAEF director shot back and said, so during World War II, as the Nazis are slaughtering Jews, you're going to put them on camera and ask them to, you know, what their rationale is? Because, of course, you know, what you would have heard, oh, the Jews have ruined our, our banking system. The Jews have taken over education and brainwashed our children and all these other things that, uh, oh, the Jews bring disease, of course. All the things that the, that the Nazis would have said. CBC is treating this 
Like, it's equal parts. When one part is a democratic state, an ally of Canada and the United States, and the other part are sworn terrorists avowed to destruction and death of infidels. So when the BBC describes bombing, uh, bombings uh, of uh, strategic points in Gaza, whether it's Gaza City, Gaza at large, by the Israeli Defense Forces, the lives lost in Gaza are described as genocide and annihilated. In Israel, they died, they were killed. The, there are some elements of the media, I think CBC was one of them, that when the, when the hostage, uh, a 19-year-old, I think she was, um, IDF soldier, was rescued this past week, the headlines would read you know, that the girl was freed. Freed? No. They fought. They killed her captors and they sprung her from captivity. Again, you want to look at England two weeks ago. The campaign against anti-Semitism. They have a billboard vans, okay? The uh, jumbo trucks, jumbotron trucks. And they were told to stop displaying the face of Israeli children kidnapped by Hamas. The Metropolitan Police in uh, London. They said that they would meet with uh, that they would meet with that organization. They didn't want to discuss what happened because it was under investigation. They will permit the genocidal from the river to the sea chant in London, but wouldn't explain why. They said they wouldn't further interfere with the billboard van. Uh, or they were asked, "Can we just drive our billboard vans showing the victims of Hamas?" Uh, we'll get back to you. They haven't yet. That was like the 19th, 20th of October. On the 21st, 100,000 people marched through London chanting for jihad, support for terrorism, incitement to religious hatred. The police in the UK proceeded to trip all over themselves saying, well, none of this is really a hate crime. None of this is really a criminal offense. A thousand people demonstrate outside of uh, New Scotland Yard saying, hey, this is a threat to the Jewish community. Enforce the law. They still haven't. What they did do was they deleted their Twitter account. Then on October 28th, another campaign through London with calls for intifada from London to Gaza. The army of Muhammad is returning. We will give, they will give their blood and souls. And yet the Met Commissioner continued to defend, taking that billboard truck off the, the, off the street, preventing those vans from operating, and saying the marches are fine. The billboard van rental company was not willing to rent anymore to campaign against anti-Semitism in London, England. So they bought their own. They're going back on the road. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. Why is this important? Hamas, a representative, in an interview said, this week we will repeat the October 7th massacre time and again a million times we need to until we end the occupation. And a journalist, the the interviewer said the occupation of Gaza? No, all of Israel. That was Ghazi Hamed that made that statement. Not a nobody. And that's what they're saying out loud. More slaughter, relentless slaughter. And so, as you have an MPP in Ontario supporting Hamas and being booted from the NDP caucus, and a Jewish girl punched, and the incidents on the Canadian universities, a woman was punched in Toronto with no consequences. No, there have been some consequences in Canada, I should say. Two journalists were fired, one from Global and another one from CTV Atlantic, because those individuals on or around October the 7th hailed the tactics and behavior and conduct and actions of Hamas terrorists. But they're, of course, victims of Islamophobia too. 
almost total silence from Justin Trudeau's hand-picked, appointed uh, Islamophobia expert, who previously was a spokesperson for the uh, National Council of Canadian Muslims, which in itself is a Muslim Brotherhood front group. She was on the same team as Hamas. Now she gets a paycheck to run interference for Hamas with the Canadian government. And Trudeau, so petrified... He talks more about so-called Islamophobia and about the suffering of Gazan civilians, Palestinian civilians, without putting the blame on Hamas. Because apparently this is the first war on in history where there's supposed to be a ceasefire to the convenience of one side and the inconvenience, the disadvantage of another. Tonight, as I record this, Justin Trudeau having an unannounced meeting with uh, with Palestinian groups. He has yet to meet with any public gathering, as I understand it, from the Jewish community. Did have a meeting with some groups privately in Montreal, but not in Toronto, where the majority of of Canada's Jews live. Some members of the media were tipped off about this meeting with the Palestinian, pro-Palestinian side uh, of things today. But as Vivian Berkovici, formerly Canada's ambassador to Israel, noted, Pravda used to get notice of special events too. The public, not so much. But the media doesn't question this. They don't question Justin Trudeau. How much money is he given to countries that harbor the kind of anti-Semitism that out of one side of his mouth, he claims to denounce, but on the other side of his mouth, he says, well, we have to think of the people spouting uh, spouting some of this anti-Semitism and their feelings too. Hamas, the Palestinian Authority, $351 million. Pakistan, $2 billion. Jordan, $463 million. Egypt, $397 million. Yes, I know the two aforementioned have peace treaties with Israel, but inordinately anti-Semitic attitudes in those countries nonetheless. And while the NDP calls this the worst crisis of the Middle East in our lifetime, that's ridiculous let's say, for argument's sake, there's been 10,000 killed on both sides so far in Israel and in, the, in, and in Gaza. Let's, let's use that number. How many people were killed by Assad in Syria? How many civilians? 306,000. How many in Iraq? 300,000. In Afghanistan, 46,000. The worst crisis in the Middle East in our lifetime, I guess, because the Jews are defending themselves. Tristan Hopper, the aforementioned, helpfully provided a map of the 2022 Israeli legislative elections, and the red dots on the map represented one of the political parties that was absolutely for a two-state solution, Palestinian statehood. And as he says, you would recognize them as the place that's hardest hit by the murders and rapes of October 7th, and that is at the communities pretty much closest to the demarcation line between Israel and Gaza. In fact, n- some of them are entirely, uh, you know, this is a color-coded map, entirely red. In favor of the Hamas slaughtered, targeted and slaughtered their biggest supporters in Israel. And as Tristan Hopper notes, took a quick trip to the archives and said yes in all of Canada's foreign wars World War II, Korea, Afghanistan World War I, they strangely weren't preceded by the entire western world lecturing us about proportionality I'll continue to report on this, that'll largely be in in blog reports, written columns on actionline.ca, I want to bring you up to date, let my audience know about these planned marches in the course of the next uh, uh, coming days that the response so far from City Hall has been inadequate. Uh, our city police find themselves between a rock and a hard place because they know that these mobs uh, of... Uh, and, and when you say pro-Palestinian, don't delude yourself. There are definitely people in there that support Hamas, that support the terror. We know that because both Police Chief Danny Smythe and the Mayor Scott Gillingham denounced the, these kinds of individuals on October 7th after the first rally. Do you think they aren't going to any of these other rallies? They disappear back into the woodwork? Or are they still showing their faces in public after exposing themselves as supporters of bloodthirsty terrorists? 
And so the city hall response, still inadequate. The provincial response by Wab Canoe so far, um, pretty darn muted, but that's not going to last long. Again, if there's intimidation of Jewish students in high schools, in our universities, that falls on Wab Canoe's lap. And he's going to have to be accountable for it. Not just Mayor Gillingham, not just the city police. And instead of getting ahead of this, many people, many, certainly at the political level, they've coddled this kind of Marxism and leftism, this wokeism, this, this uh, um, philosophy that twins the concept of colonialism and all the other ills of Western society and pins it on Israel. White supremacist state and all that other crap. So we've seen not political leadership in the past, and we're going to be looking for political leadership immediately. We aren't getting it from Ottawa. We aren't getting it from Justin Trudeau. Because Justin Trudeau's done the math. There are 13 ridings in Canada with a Jewish population uh, of 5% or more. There's 105, I believe is the exact count, where the uh, electorate is made up of uh, 5% or more of Muslim voters. And whereas not every Muslim voter is a Hamas fan, surely the fact is that Trudeau's hedging his bets and it's sickening. Perhaps not unexpected that he'd be gutless in this manner or politically expedient in this manner, but nonetheless, it is sickening. There is an atmosphere in this country that I have never seen in all my days, where Jews are asking each other, which of your friends would hide you? Who will take up arms to defend you if somebody tries to kick in your door or we have a replay of Kristallnacht? on local businesses. And you've had the the spray painting across the country, Jewish businesses targeted by some of these mobs. Jewish individuals targeted, harassed. And Jews are asking each other, and they're asking themselves, what future do I have here? I heard it tonight from somebody who's been around the... uh, I, I don't want to be too specific, but they've been around the Winnipeg media for many, many decades. And they said, Jews escaped Russia to get away from pogroms to come to Canada and the United States, and now they're supposed to face more pogroms, more slaughter, dismemberment, rape. And this isn't an aberration, by the way, in terms of who's committing it. Look up what happened with the Jordanian, uh, Jordan's army, which was called the Arab Legion, and look at what they did in the War of Israeli Independence in 1948. And this is an extension of it. The beheadings, the torture, the incinerations, the dismemberment. This is the kind of tactics that have been used against Jews throughout the world, and in particular in the Holy Land. And before we see any kind of recurrence of it here, I can tell you, That, you know, somebody somebody made a statement, I can't really uh, improve on it. Whatever you're doing right now, that's what you would have done in the 1930s and 40s. What are you doing? Are you telling your politicians you're concerned about public safety? Are you telling your elected officials that they have to stand up for what's right and for democracy? Are you telling the media that they should not be platforming those who emulate Nazis and who are genocidal? Or are you just sitting back and saying, well, listen, I'm not Jewish. It's not really my business. It doesn't affect... First the Jews, then who's next? I'm urging you all to be proactive, to take a stand, to make your voice heard, to show those that you know in the Jewish community. I don't mean the Jewish Federation or these other big shots. Because believe me, They aren't at the front lines. They aren't in the front lines waving Israeli flags. 
going face to face with the Hamas supporters in Winnipeg and across this country. These federations, they're fundraisers, they're professional fundraisers, they're professional activists. And they don't have a whole lot of courage. I've seen it with my own two eyes. It's the grassroots that have the courage. Will you join the grassroots? Will you express to the grassroots Jews in Winnipeg and across this country that you're going to support them, that you're going to stand up for them, that you're going to defend them? Canadians have contributed uh, uh, greatly to the state of Israel in a spirit of friendship over the years, and Jewish Canadians have contributed tremendously to our country. Those who stand oppose the state of Israel, those who call Israel, what, the Zionist colonial project? What do you think they think about Canada and what do you think decolonization means when in Israel, there so many individuals, so many people are perfectly fine with decolonization, meaning slaughter and beheadings and the shooting and, shooting and kidnapping of innocent civilians. I'll continue to cover this again, as I mentioned, on actualine.ca. Uh, more from City Hall. Um, Another bike lane project that nobody wants to talk to me about. So I'm probably going to wait a few more days, nudge a few more people, and then uh, come forward with that information, uh, as well as uh, more, more information, uh, more comments uh, from uh, somebody inside City Hall about uh, what they see, what they like, and what they don't like. And of course, your comments, your question, questions, your news tips, uh, always welcome, martygoldlive at gmail.com. Uh, and... Um, I look forward to hearing from you. I know I'm delving into topics you usually don't expect. And, hey, who expects a war? I didn't. But here we are. And I'm a Jew. And I'm not burdened by white guilt. The people of Gaza elected a government. And that government was elected with a majority... This isn't like splintered elections and, you know, the government was elected with 33% support or something. They're overwhelming. Hamas was overwhelmingly supported. They started a war. Israel intends to finish it. And today Hamas said they will do this over and over and over again, this kind of slaughter. You think if this happened to Canada, that They'd call a ceasefire. They'd say, oh, uh, no. We're going to let the other side regroup. Maybe crawl out of their tunnels that was paid for by Canadian money and money sent from the European Union that was meant for hospitals and, and, uh, and other public services uh, and running water pipes. We're going to let them crawl out of their tunnels and, you know, maybe engage a little bit more kidnapping and mayhem and murder. You think Canada would do that? You think any normal country would agree to it? Be normal. Oppose terror. Support the eradication of Hamas and support your Jewish friends, neighbors, cohorts, relatives. And don't fall for the leftist garbage because this is, in fact, going to turn into a turning point for all Western countries. We can argue about immigration policy and other things later. Right now, the threat is existential. If this was the 1930s or the 1940s, what do you think you would have done? Whatever you're doing now, do you think you should be doing something different, something better? I invite you to do so. Be back with more. The Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. Going to have uh, try to get one out before the weekend, Friday night for Saturday, and then Monday. There will be a new episode out uh, on Monday to kick off uh, to kick off next week and to get us into the proper rotation of content and things that you want to listen to and you want to listen about uh, as November rolls along. No, no mustache here for November, but thanks for the thought. Because of you, The Great Canadian Talk Show has made headlines for over 15 years and forced important issues to be acknowledged and dealt with. The problem here is that they want everything their own way in every situation. It's unpalatable to the general public, but they're frozen out by the process. 
There is no funding to pay the bills for holding the government accountable. They just see money. Of course, it's your tax dollars, but it's being spent on their pet projects. We're on your side. A lot of these people in special interest groups, they don't bear any relationship to your life out there. They don't have any handle on what your reality is in your neighborhood. Support old-fashioned investigative reporting that matters. The best source of information is not the city councilor. It is this program. And you listeners, support TGCTS today. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to TGCTS1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at TGCTS.